that was it like the red wedding or was it, it just a little <laughs> little bit of redness <laughs> Hello, welcome back. This is Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I'm Barry Liga, and with me, as always, as as usually always, (laughs) is my wife and my co-host, Morgan Baden. Hello, Morgan. Hi, hi. So we're actually, this might be a a short episode, because we are, we're going on a little adventure in the morning, and so... Road trip. Road trip, yes. We're going to go visit my family. Uh, So we're going to be on the road for a little while, so... Tonight's a crazy night, but we so such is our love for you, the podcast audience, that we're doing this anyway. So I want to do some quick follow up, which I know you love. Huh. Eugene commented on our last episode uh, where we talked about being mean to your baby, mm-hmm. uh, and also we talked about the Barry like a cheat method mm-hmm. of revising, and he commented on both of those. I was fig- I- thought what he had to say might be of interest to our audience. First of all, he mentions that in terms of being mean to your baby, his child apparently has taken to uh, throwing food and will not get into his high chair. So now, we know we, the throwing food Yeah, we part. know the throwing food. We've had that experience. She's usually pretty happy getting into her high chair, though. Um, you know, and, and in line with the being mean thing, you know, when Leah was throwing food, she doesn't do it anymore, but when she was throwing it, we, we both you know, started out being very stern with her and telling her that's not funny, blah, well, blah, first blah. we would laugh. And then right. at first her, we yeah. laughed and we thought it was because we, because it seemed so funny and she was so pleased with herself doing it. And then we realized we're just encouraging it. So we started being a little stern with her. And then we, we looked into it on our pediatrician's website mm-hmm. and apparently what you're supposed to do is nothing. Flat out ignore it. Just ignore it. Yeah. Like give, it's give not happening. no reaction at all because any reaction, whether it's laughing or lecturing, just gives them what they want. Yeah. So, you know, these Well, babies, and not even what gives them what they want. It, it's teaching them that right. they will get a reaction right. by doing that. Right. And babies, you don't want them to get a babies reaction. Babies are so manipulative stop. little little cusses, aren't they? Well, they're geniuses. They are. So, yeah. So, you know, Eugene, maybe that helps you. Maybe it'll help some other people out there. But, yeah, apparently just, just ignore it when they do it. Uh, and we did that and, and we don't really have that problem. She doesn't throw yeah, food. Not good. Every now yeah. and then she'll toss something overboard, but yeah. now I think it's because she actually doesn't want it. Yeah. Not just because trying she's to make us laugh. trying to get a reaction yeah. out of us. All right. So the second thing that, uh, Eugene mentioned was in talking about the Barry like a cheat method. He said, uh, he talked about a book called the 10% solution by a guy named Ken Rand. And we'll put a link to this in the show notes. Apparently, uh, Eugene says it's a really good way to notice words that you repeat often, but he also says it's a little tiresome for something the length of a novel. Maybe Mm. it's better for a short story. But, you know, I was thinking about it, and I thought, well, if you're, you know, if you've only got a few chapters where your pacing is a problem, maybe this could help because, you know, it's the length of a short story roughly. So just something that might be helpful. Again, we'll put the link to it in the show notes. Thanks, Eugene. Thank you, Eugene. Uh, so on to more, more, more recent issues, Okay. things that are not follow up, new things. And yet in a way are follow up. Cause isn't everything follow up? There's nothing new under the sun. Isn't everything so, related to something else? So the author's guild has written and posted an open letter to publishers calling for, among other things, better royalties mm-hmm. for authors. We particularly talk, for eBooks. Particularly for eBooks. Mm-hmm. They are calling for a doubling of, of, uh, of royalties. And we talked about this once before. We talked about this a while ago about should authors be paid more, should royalties mm-hmm. be better. And we, you know, I, I 
expressed my opinion that yes, royalties should go up. So I'm glad the Authors Guild has finally jumped on board. <laughs> now, you know, the Authors Guild is an interesting organization because, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of clout they have, if any. Right. You know, it's not like they can get authors to go on strike, which is the real, the, which is the power of sort of, of a guild, guild right. or a yeah. union is, you know, you can stop work from happening. Uh-huh. Um, and when that arrow is not in your quiver, no matter how well-intentioned you are and no matter how bright you are and, and well-spoken you are, you know, there's always the fact that the other side knows, well, what can you really do to hurt uh-huh. me other than write an open letter that a bunch of important people sign? Yeah. So that's a little frustrating that, you know, this organization that purports to speak for authors can say something like this that's important that I think most authors agree with. And yet I suspect the response from publishers will be deafening silence. Well, I mean, when you're talking about contract changes like this, which is what they're proposing, is basically um, just a change to the standard publishing contract. Sure. Um, most of the time, that's going to be pretty incremental progress. Yeah, and, and that's what we said time. the and last time we yeah. talked about it is, you know, if you want royalty rates to go from, I don't know, pulling it out of my butt, 10% to 15%, it's not going to go from 10 to 15 in in the first contract. It's going to go from 10 to 12. Right. And then, you but know, I guess what I'm really trying to make the case for here is, you know, when you sign an online petition, yeah. for example, that doesn't really do anything. Right. But it does help raise awareness and it can lead to bigger and, and more effective things. And that's kind of what I feel like this was. It was yeah. their, their version of an online petition. Yeah. And hopefully it will over time lead to bigger and better things. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think one thing that's very valuable in this that we, we shouldn't gloss over is I think there are a lot of authors out there who are not aware that they can or should ask for more. That's a really good point. And, you know, ideally their agents should know that. Um, but but you, know, you tell me, I mean, how much wiggle room do you have in a contract? Yeah, I, you know, there's an old joke that everything in a publishing contract is up for grabs, including your name, um, <laughs> you know, uh, which you would think would be the one thing you couldn't change. But no, it's publishing. You can change the name. Um, you know, I know that my agent in the past has gotten my royalty rates changed. Okay. I know that from between one deal with a publisher and another deal with the publisher, uh, she got my royalty rates raised significantly. Um which was nice. <laughs> sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can't. Again, everything's negotiable. And, yeah. and you know, the thing is, agents, you know, no human being can go at 100% all the time. So they're not going to fight on every single contract for every single yeah. thing. You know, you, you'd never get anything done. You'd yeah. never finish a contract. So, you know, I think it is good that something like this happens and perhaps authors out there look at it and go, oh, maybe I should talk to my agent and find out, am I in a position to, to demand something. to demand yeah. more? You know, and of course, it's sad that, that the people who perhaps need it less will get it first. Of course. But I think once some of those things start to change, maybe it makes it a little easier for it to change for other people. Maybe it starts to, I hate to say this, trickle down. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't, don't send voodoo economics hate mail. Um, you know. But and, and especially in a lot of cases, too, you know, agents will have multiple authors with the same house. And if they can get something for one oh, author, interesting. if yeah. they can get something with, for one author, 
then next when they go for the next author, they go, you know, you guys gave me this yeah. for author A, so I know you can do right. it. Let's talk about doing it for author B. Mm-hmm. And I know that in some cases where you have agencies that have, uh, you know, more than one agent, you know, not boutique agencies, but some of the bigger agencies, they just, you know, they share the contract. Of course. You know, so if you're agent A and agent B has done a deal with Penguin, but you've never done one with Penguin, you go to agent A and they'll say, oh, here's the contract I get from Penguin. Yeah. You should demand everything of this. And if you get more, give it back to me because right. then next time and that's how it happens that's how it yeah. changes but you know i think the guild is saying things are bad and there needs to be an across the board change that's the thing is you that- know and i i don't see that happening because again i don't know how they can bring pressure to bear right. other than the moral pressure of it is ridiculous for authors to get 25 percent of net for ebooks right which it's is, absurd it's absurd it's ridiculous uh it is ridiculous that Publishers can arrange their pricing tiers such that they can they can put a book on sale for you know a nickel less than it is normally, and that drops you into a different royalty structure. Oh wow! Come on, come on! Let, you know, let's leave the creative bookkeeping to Hollywood, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> let's try to be a little better than that. So, I agree with it. I support it. I have no idea where it's going to go, right. but yeah. I. I it's interesting that it's out there now. Yeah. Good. So that's sort of important to authors and to publishing in general, but I think there's something even more important that we need to talk about. I think I know what you're going to say. Well, go ahead. This week was the premiere of season two of that very close to true. It's like a documentary series. It's like a documentary series about the publishing publishing. industry called Younger. Younger. Yes. It's on TV (laughs) land. It stars Sutton Foster. We, we talked about this show a few times, a few times in its first season. I want to be clear. I actually enjoy this show quite a bit. (sighs) I love Sutton Foster. Um, and it's a, it's a fresh concept. I like the show, but for those of you who are longtime listeners, you know that the show is incredibly flawed when it comes to portraying the It takes world. so many liberties and it's so ridiculous with its portrayal of the publishing industry. And again, I'm sorry I have to say it again, Sutton Foster is a lovely woman, an incredibly talented actress, mm-hmm. an attractive woman, but I do not believe for a single believes. moment that anybody thinks she is 26 yeah. years old. Yeah. I just don't. Agreed. And the show would also be a thousand times stronger if they didn't keep putting a button on that. It, if that's they true. Didn't, yeah. If they didn't keep having older people i.e. people her age, yeah. say, oh, what do you know? You're so young. Uh-huh. If they would just stop doing that, yeah. it wouldn't bother me half as much. But they feel like they have to keep doing that, yeah. and it drives me up a wall. The other thing that drives me up a wall, the thing that I noticed last night is everybody's office in this ersatz version of publishing is so neat. They're basically a paper-free office. <laughs> Seriously. A ser- paper-free publishing A paper-free house. publishing office. <laughs> I'm remembering the first time I went into... Uh, you know, uh, one of my publisher's offices, you know, I, I went up to Boston to meet with the people at Houghton Mifflin a year before Fanboy and Goth Girl came out. And I walked into my editor's office and it was jammed with stacks of paper and books <laughs> and galleys and notes just in, in tumbling piles on tables. And I'm like, you people, you no, yeah. no, like there should be stacks of books on the floor and there should, I mean. It's really funny. Yeah. It's not publishing. Yeah. It's it's funny. There were a couple of specific things this week that were just outrageous. Our our friends at Hachette and Little Brown should be very happy. They They got shout outs. Yeah. Actually, I meant to check their their Twitter handles to see if they were talking about it. But uh, 
let's just say if I ran social there, I would have been <laughs> all over it last you would, night. You would not have even been enjoying the show, the show no, because you would have not. been, been you would have been tweeting the whole time. Yeah. yeah, they got a lot of shout outs. Uh, you know, I I just some of the things that they do, I don't. You know, the the one the publicist, not the publicist. I'm sorry, the editor played by Hillary Hillary Duff. Duff uh, one of her authors, Scarpers for Hachette, <laughs> and and he calls her to have lunch with her, and he can't uh, he can't write his book without her. Right, and, and and we'll talk about that scene in a moment. But the thing that really gets me is he says to her, "You should come to Hachette with me, and they will make an offer to you, and they will bring you over and hire you." Blah blah blah. And she's stunned by this. She's shocked. Yeah. In fact. This is actually really common in publishing. <laughs> they when, got that right. <laughs> like when a big author moves houses, it's a big deal. And usually some of the people from that house end up going over. with him or right. her. You know, when Stephen King left Viking for Scribner, his editor went with him. Yeah. Because Stephen King is not going to go start working with the new editor. Yeah. And so the fact that she was stunned by this, I'm kind of like, she would know. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, she could say, like, I never thought this would happen to me. But she's so young, Perry. And they're all so young. <laughs> they're kidding. all so young. So that was kind of crazy. But the the um, the purpose of that lunch oh, when he God. was you, talking you, about You that. have to tell it because well, I will start frothing at the mouth. Basically, he he called a meeting with his editor to discuss that he had the premise for a book but was stuck. And then he relayed, I think, a single sentence, yes, which premise, wasn't a premise. The premise was... A girl is in hospice but wants to go to her prom. Yes. That that was that was his book. This genius author, that was his book. I will say the the episode centered a little bit on uh on a parody of cichlid. Yeah. You know, this yeah. idea of of the trend of books featuring very sick, yeah. deathly ill characters. Which let me tell you something. The guy went to Hachette and he's YA, which means he's at Little Brown. Uh-huh. We know, I know, the editors at Little Brown, if if an author came to them with a girl's in hospice who wants to go to the prom. They could help him with that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need Hillary Duff. Anyway, I'm just standing up for my little brown peeps. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So she, her genius idea is also related in one sentence immediately, by the way. Yeah. Which is, have her friends bring the prom to her in the hospice room. <laughs> and he immediately goes, that's it. And it's like, oh, all the hard work is done now. Right, like, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is what editors do all day is authors <laughs> call them with a sentence. Editors give them another sentence. And then they go have a three martini lunch. Right, yeah. Oh, my it God. Really it just absolutely destroys me. Yeah. I... Yeah. So anyway, yes, new season of Younger. We will be watching it, and we will probably complain about its most egregious flaws on this podcast. But you know what? They don't care because we're still watching it. I know. I know. I mean, you you genuinely I enjoy do. it. I genuinely enjoy I it. I find it annoying as hell. <laughs> but I watch. I I I don't don't want to say I hate watch it because it does not provoke that level of emotion in okay. me. I would say that I. Um, I, I bemusedly watch it, yeah, <laughs> um, and and annoy watch it if yeah. that's a term. It is funny, you know. The only reason that you are able to do that is because we are a one TV household. Yes, and I think of other couples. I know my parents. You know, people with actual houses, and they have multiple TVs in their house. Right, and it's not unusual for. You know, one person to go in this room and watch their shows and this person to go in another. That, lead, and, that and leads whatnot. straight to divorce, man. I, it, every time. Every time. <laughs> it's been proven. 100% of divorce is two, two TVs in the house. You can look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, so let's talk about parenting. Let's, okay. And let's talk about blood. Wow. Okay. <sighs> Today, we had our first baby blood. 
It, we did. Oh my God, that is our first baby blood. It killed me. <gasps> uh, about five minutes before you got home, yeah. Uh, Leia was playing on the floor and she was uh, crawling and she reached for something and she slipped because, you know, it happens. And she bunked her head on the floor, as she does. Not her head, her chin area. Well, yeah, her, her, face. her facial area. Yeah. Her cranial. Well, I mean, she's area. bumped her head before. Yeah. I don't want to, well, you know, it's but not, anyway, she, I, she's not bleeding from the head. But is at what first, I put at out first, there. so she bumped, right? And I went to get her because she was crying, of course, and I picked her up, and I thought this was just another case where she bumped her head a little bit. And um, I'm trying to calm her down, and I'm holding her, and she's crying. And I look at her shirt, and I'm like, oh, did she get some juice on her shirt? And then I realized... Which she doesn't drink juice. Well, so. <laughs> I thought maybe some fruit juice. I gave her okay. some watermelon today. I thought maybe she squirted some red juice there. And no, it was blood. And I looked and there was blood on her chin. Aww. And she had she had bitten her lip when she, when she went forward and banged her head. And uh, I lost it. <laughs> I, because, you know, I just saw blood on her chin and I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know yet that she had just bitten her lip. I thought she'd bitten her tongue or, or you know, had damaged I mean, her teeth. how bad was it? Was it like the red wedding or was it, it just a little, <laughs> little bit of redness? <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. It was the first Aww. time my baby was bleeding. Yeah. So I kind of lost it. Um, and, you know, and honestly, the first thing I thought of was smile. <laughs> by Raina Ran- Telgemeier. Raina Telgemeier's wonderful graphic novel. We'll put it in the show notes. That was the first thing I thought of. Was I thought, oh my god, I've just my child is now doomed to a lifetime of dental pain. <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, I tried to get in the bathroom and check, and she wouldn't let me look at her mouth because she was crying. And I thought, well, that's not good. Maybe she cracked a tooth. I mean, I was, yeah. you know. So I called the pediatrician. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And uh, and they were like, we don't know. We'll get you a nurse. We'll get a nurse to call you back. And uh, so I'm waiting for the nurse to call back, and I'm holding her. And finally, I was able to to wipe up the blood with a washcloth, and there was no more. And I thought, oh, whatever this is, maybe it stopped. Mm-hmm. And I looked, and I looked, and finally I could see a little, you know, a little cut yeah. in, on, on the underside of her lip. She and I realized she'd bitten her lip, and there was no more blood coming. So it had already clotted. Aww. It was fine. You know, in the five minutes between she did it and when you got home, it was all fine. But her little lip was But her swollen. little lip was swollen. Yeah. She had a little fat lip. She looked like she was in prize fight. Um, <laughs> if people ask what happened. Baby I'm gonna, fight club. I'm going to say <laughs> that is a picture book right there. The first rule of baby fight club. Is ask your mom and dad to bring a baby fight club. Ask your mom and dad to bring a baby fight club. The second rule is don't talk about baby, baby <laughs> fight club. Um, so, yeah. So, that happened. And, you know... Well, achievement unlocked. Achievement unlocked. (laughs) And it occurred to me, you know, she's been hurt twice now, really. And both times was with me. I'm choosing not to think that that reflects on me as a parent, but rather the fact that I'm the one home with her all day. And I realize that means I'm going to be around for the bulk of her getting hurt. And I just don't know if I can handle that. (laughs) Yeah. So that was rough. That was definitely rough. And they're like, oh, put put some ice on it if she'll let you. And I'm like, she she doesn't let us do anything. Are you kidding me? And, you know, we talked last week about being mean and I just couldn't bring myself to pin her down to hold ice against her. You know, like it's going to heal. Yeah. So, yeah. Poor girl. Um, but something else exciting happened this week. It's exciting and it's also... Well, it is, yeah, yeah. It's a little heartbreaking. It is a little heartbreaking. Yeah. So normally when I leave the house in the morning, she cries. Yeah. And not like a, a big dramatic cry, but... Well, sometimes, but, but you know... Enough that she, I have to distract her with right, Exactly. Like, we have to plan my departure so that right. she doesn't lose her mind. Yeah. Um, and this week she stopped doing that. Yeah. Now she's just like, eh, She Mom's literally gone. just waves goodbye to me and yeah. goes on playing. And... I'm thrilled, but also like I close the door behind me and I think, hey, <laughs> I thought you missed 
me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, again, I think it's she, one of those external I, symbols that she's growing up. I think she's gotten to the point where she trusts me now. <laughs> it, t- it took 15 months, but yeah, now right? she's like, all right, I think the old man has it. So, yeah. Well, right. and you know, truly finally realizes that I'm coming back every right, day when right. I leave. So that's good. But the other thing, speaking of coming back. Mm-hmm. That that has been a change too this yeah. week. She's she's had quite a mental leap this week. Uh, normally when I come home, she screams with happiness, shrieks at the shrieks top of her and lungs. Dema- I have to take her right away. She yep. or she will start crying if I don't take yeah. her right away. And then she's glued to me for like half an hour. I yep. can't do anything. I can't take off my shoes. I can't change out of my work clothes. Nothing. And normally she 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 runs me all around the house. She'll lead me everywhere. She shows me what she did that day, etc. Very sweet, but again, a little... A little much. Yeah, yeah. And this week, she doesn't do that anymore. There was a very distinct moment where I came home last night, and she waved hello. She was very happy to see me. I still had that great big smile. Um, But she did not demand to come over to me. She was still very busy playing with her toys, and... Again, like what happened here? Right, I know. I I feel like I've been downgraded or something. Well, and it's funny because that coincided with some serious separation anxiety at childcare at the gym. Yeah. Typically, you know, I would drop her off at childcare at the gym. She'd be whatever and go off and play and have fun. And for the past week or so, uh, I would drop her off and she would lose it. I mean, just lose it go crazy. I mean, in fact, a couple of times I couldn't leave her there. I had to bring her back home. She was so distraught. They couldn't get her, they couldn't calm her down. Um, so this week though, right around the same time that she started accepting that you go home, that you leave for work and come home, she's gotten better about the gym. I took her there yesterday and she was fine. I handed her over. She was smiling and happy. She was fine. She got a little whiny, but she was okay. So you know, it, it, in a way, I guess she was, like, working through this yeah. at the same time. Because, again, she used to be fine at the gym. And, and, and then, and then she wasn't, yeah. where she was never fine with you leaving, right. and now she is. And it was almost like she was accepting mommy goes away, daddy goes away at the gym, yeah. and it's okay. Yeah. You know, and she processed those two things in parallel. Yeah. And, and, it, and it worked out. And, and it cool. seems like it's good now, so that's yeah. that's nice. But it is a little... There's a part of you of that, that loves that she freaks out when you leave, of you know, and yeah. freaks out when you come home. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's, but she's growing up. She's growing up. So let us talk about the topic everybody wants to hear about, recommended reading, <laughs> and or what are you reading now, Morgan? I put it to you. So I feel like I'm going to have a Barry Liga answer this week, which is I read a book over the past week. Okay. And I didn't like it. Okay. And, but I feel a little silly because it, it See, was it's not those, a very long answer. I, <laughs> I never feel silly. Well, it's one of those things. It was from my sister's e-reader. So I didn't, I, I, I read the title, but I didn't recognize it. I didn't know the author's name at all. So I knew right. nothing about this book and a chapter or two into it. I was like, oh, it's a memoir. Okay. And halfway through, I realized I hated this woman, the character, <laughs> the, the narrator. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard to read because she hated herself so much uh, that she just made incredibly terrible decisions, um, for very valid reasons. I understood, you know, the, the book, um, delved into why she made these decisions and, and, you know, her motives for things and, and why she hated herself and, and things like that. But still, it was really difficult to read because this narrator had a, a young daughter and, um, it was just, it was just, 
I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I just don't want to spend time reading about so much degradation and mm. hurt and pain and misogyny. Like, I, I just don't want to do it. Okay. Right. So anyway, so I struggled to finish it. Uh, I actually almost didn't. Like, I stopped, but then I, you can see on the e-reader what percentage of the book you have left. And it was like 6%. And I was like, oh, okay, let me just finish it and yeah. see what happens now. Because now I, I want to know what happens to this woman. Right. It was a very unsatisfying ending. So, of course, I researched this book after I finished it, and it turns out it's not a memoir. It's fiction. But it's written as a memoir. Very, And it's actually sort of – it's been raved about because of that. Um, It was – it didn't win awards specifically, but it it did have really great reviews and a lot of press when it came out a couple of years ago. So – it just kind of threw me for a loop, like a, a book that I was reading this whole time I thought was a true story, and it turns out to not be. Huh. And it was just, a, I don't know, played a little trick on my head. But anyway, so, yeah, I didn't I didn't super enjoy it. So, um, But I just finished it yesterday, and now today I'm back into uh, my reread of Harry Potter. I'm in the middle of book four, and um, news of Alan Rickman, a.k.a. Severus Snape's death, um, just feels very close to me because I've been, you're reading yeah, books, I've been yeah. immersed in the books again, yeah. so... How about you? I have a confession to make. And I'm I'm hoping that the podcast audience can help. Okay. I'm going to ask for help, which is something I don't like doing. I don't like anything I have been reading lately. You don't. You've been, I have you've been had a terrible so, I have been so miserable for months and months. Everything I read, I, I just don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And all I want to do is read stuff that I've already read that I know I like. Yeah. You know? Um... Which isn't good. I want to read new things, yeah. but I'm like, no, like I'll just read this book that I read 15 years ago because I remember I liked it. Right. And I want people on the podcast, email us, post comments, whatever, whatever you do, send it by carrier pigeon. I don't care. Recommend stuff for me to read. I want to read some good books. And I, you know, I've been trying to like, I've been looking at lists and I've been looking at reviews and people praise these books. These are brilliant books and the writing is gorgeous and blah, blah, blah. And I read the first 10 pages and I'm like... This is crap. Well, because you've been reading, you've been downloading samples. Yeah. So you yeah. really are like giving things I'm try- a shot. I'm giving and- things a shot and I'm just not liking anything at all. And I think what I fear is that, you know, my tastes are sort of dramatically misaligned with what is currently in vogue in mm-hmm. terms of writing, which I don't like that thought because number one, it means it's difficult to find things to read that I'll enjoy. And number two, it means my writing is not something that the masses are going Uh to enjoy. Yeah. Um, But there's a lot of stuff that I've been reading that has sort of sumptuous, emotional, evocative writing. And it is to no point, you know, there will be entire paragraphs and pages and scenes devoted to beautiful descriptions of something. It has nothing to do with anything at all. And I'm just sit there going, I'm so curious, what? though. I want to read some of the, yeah. the samples that you've been reading and see if I agree. Just as an experiment, I, I think and, that would be interesting. And it's just, it's just maddening to me. And, you know, I, I, I feel like, like in terms of reviews and in terms of uh, attention and word of mouth reward, for lack of a better term, I feel like we are rewarding ironic distance in writing now. And that's not what I'm interested in. I want to feel intimately connected to the characters. I don't want to feel like I'm at an ironic distance from them. And that's how I feel with a lot of this stuff. Hmm. Um, so. And I, I want to clarify too, 
you and I never read the same things. No, no, yeah. we don't. I have had an incredible past like fifteen yeah. or sixteen months of books. Yep. Um, so I I'm have gonna, read, I'm gonna I have read I have read a couple one or two books that you read and recommended. Um, for example, Carol Goodman's book, The Seduction of Water, and 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 such. But that's not even a new book. I want I want to. I've been reading a lot of new recent releases. And really, there have been some that have blown me away. And so I'm sure, I'm gonna, I'm sure yeah. there are. And, and, you know, part of this, you know, to use a computer programming term, I'm sort of part, part of this is my sorting algorithm. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just finding the wrong books. It's not that every book out there no, sucks. It's not, that yeah. I'm just finding the wrong ones. Uh, and I, I don't know how to find yeah. the right ones. And mm-hmm. I've tried a variety of genres. I've tried science fiction and fantasy and mystery and thriller and contemporary adult. Uh-huh. I've tried everything. And I'm just not finding books that I am enjoying. And I think the people who listen to this podcast, especially the people who've been with us since the beginning, have a sense of me. And a lot of you are readers of my book. So I think you know what I enjoy. I would love if people would send in recommendations. Yeah. You know, I promise at the very least, I will look at the samples for everything that you send in. Yeah. At the very least, I will look at it. Um, Great. I'm, I'm, it's quite frankly, it's really depressing because I am a reader. I have read my entire life. And right now, the last thing I want to do is pick up a book and read because, and you know, because I can't there. find a good one. Yeah. And I've it's been just, there. I would rather read some old comic books, you know, yeah. and do some crossword puzzles to exercise my brain. Reading ruts are a real thing. Yeah. Um, they can be a struggle to get out of. And I think you're right. I think uh, a combination of going back to things that you love, old favorites, plus um, just trying to stay open to new things yeah. is the only way to get through it. Yep. But I'm, I too am curious to hear what listeners recommend for you. Yes. Everyone send us one title, just one, one title, just that just, you think just send the title would like. Yep. yep. I want to, I want to be inundated with hundreds. <laughs> Keep me busy for a while. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. We appreciate your attention as always. You can find us online at writinginreallife.com. Read our show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast and uh, rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us in iTunes, give us those five stars we need so much. Every time you give us a five-star rating, we feed our baby. So <laughs> thank you very much, and we will talk to you again next week. Take care. Mm-hmm.